Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and... And... Good morning, everyone. It's good to be on air today. It's Darren with us this morning. So we, we, I know you were expecting Minnie to be here this morning. Minnie is not able to join us this morning, but we are super thankful that Darren, at the last minute, has made himself available and has joined us here on Faith FM. So, Darren, what are you thankful for this morning? Well, I was thankful driving this morning. The sun's just coming up. It is great to see the sun. Um. Yes, the (laughs) rain has been wonderful. It has been fantastic to see our dams get up to, yeah, the highest levels they've been in the last 12 months at least. Yeah, my my yard is actually... Very your, muddy and flooded. Your yard, you've, got, you've got your own private dam happening in your yard right now? My ducks are thinking it's Christmas, but my chooks are saying, what's all this about? So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, the rain's good, but it's, it's good to see the sun. Good to see the sun as well. Um, how many ducks and chooks do you have at the moment? I'm down to the minimum because we're just going into breeding season, but I have about 50 chooks and probably about the same ducks. Okay, and these are, these are all stud creatures, right? All my stud, yeah. yeah. All my extras sold off because... Um, a duck or a chook is very popular right now with the COVID. Um, people have gone back to the backyard type idea and all my spare chooks have all gone. That's fantastic. I really, really like the idea that people have gone back to the whole backyard oh, idea. I think it's idea. very, very healthy for people. It's healthy for you know the food that you produce in your backyard, but it's just super healthy for your mental health to get out there and to do some work in the dirt. It's Very just one of those so. things that we were meant to do as human beings. I'm super thankful that as of today, my wife is uh, halfway through her quarantine, so um, hopefully uh, all will go well for the next week and she'll be back out again and able to join us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, so Darren, uh, let me think. Time for some positively different news. What are you going to share with us today? Yeah, well, Lyle, how old were you when you received your first pay packet? My first pay packet from seasonal work, as in apple picking, I may have been 10 or 12. Somewhere in that range uh, was when I went out and picked my first 20 bushel bin of apples. What did you get paid, do you remember? I think So it much was, per bin? <laughs> I know that later in my life, I did some apple picking during uh, holidays. We, I, I took holidays from my apprenticeship when we had a bit of time when there was very, very little work on. And so I just um, took some holidays and went apple picking. And so when I was in my late teens, it was $20 a bushel. $20 a, a, sorry, $20 for the 20 bushel bin, so a dollar a bushel. How big is a bushel? Um, I'm not sure, but a 20 bushel bin, I could pick three a day. Oh, I get, we used to call them sweat bins in Mildura and we put orange into them, so probably about the same yeah, size. Yeah, so it's the kind of thing that goes on the forks on the back of a yeah, uh, Fergie yeah, tractor. Yeah. So your you little, uh, you little Fergie 35 with a pair of forks on the back, um, the bin that goes on the back, it was a 20-bushel bin, and uh, we'd get $20 for that. And $20, so. $20 a bin is pretty good. Um, $20 a bin was pretty good. And $60, $60 a day. That's a pretty good wage. $60 a, a day back then was excellent money, uh, but it was kind of back-breaking. Oh, yeah. Particularly, particularly when I started out as a kid, because those those bags you put this big old bag and it just hangs off the front of you, and they <laughs> get the so heavy. Did you ever fall off the top of the ladder when the bag got full? 
No. I've done that. You've with done oranges. that. With yes, oranges. Fell from the top ladder through the tree. <laughs> so you oranges come from, you, all over you, you come from a citrus citrus and uh, grape growing area. I come from uh, from small fruit and apples, but I think we probably had some similar experiences. Yeah, we got um, $20 for a sweat bin, they called it back then, which is the yep, same thing. Same um, thing. Full of, full of oranges, but $50 for um, lemons, which were thorny and ugly and harder to pick. Um, they would be miserable to pick. Yeah, and on, and on a ladder. Not, not a cherry picker, on a ladder. So. Yeah, yeah, we had, to, we had to use a ladder. <laughs> and I was about the same age. I think it was about 10, first pay packet. You know, the brown envelopes with the money inside. And that's right, that's right. And, and the ladder was one of those ladders that is just a, a three-point ladder. So you've got the yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, so yes, three yes. Point, yeah, old three-point ladder and stand up under the tree and away you go. Yep. Not too much uh, safety I remember that was a six, seven-year-old. Dad would pay me, not you know, like coins. Oh, um, yes. If I went down to the horse paddock, which is about a k away, filled up a bag full of horse manure, <laughs> and brought it back for his garden, he'll pay me twenty cents a bag. <laughs> and we used to get we used to get paid when I was like you know five or six or whatever for digging blackberries out. So we used to get I think it was five cents for each blackberry root, you know the the stump yeah. that that we dug out of the paddock. So that was um, pocket money. My first regular pay was when I got an apprenticeship, and that was one hundred and twenty six dollars a week. Um, and I remember it well coming in that little brown paper bag. Well, here's one for you. In the news today, a six-year-old got his first pay for one lucky boy who received his first pay at just six in an act of kindness now being celebrated on the internet. English woman Steph Heathcote shared on Twitter how when her family was having their outdoor area done, her six-year-old chose to help the builder. In turn, the builder gave her son a pay packet. We have just had our outdoor area done and my six-year-old has loved going out and helping the builder. So it made his day to receive this. And here is the pay packet. He actually wrote on it a pay packet. Harry, for passing bricks, passing little pavers, pointing out brickwork problems, mixing cement, loading stone, taking pictures of blackbirds and a spider, (laughs) saying why more times than I've ever heard anyone say why, and being a smashing little guy, minus tax and national insurance, <laughs> ten pound, which is about eighteen dollars Australian. <laughs> so awesome! I love it. It's That's gone the viral. Best it's gone viral. ever, man. And this kid sounds like an awesome kid as well. I don't know about you, Darren, but every now and then I would. Uh, I can remember as a kid watching bricklayers work, and it fascinated me. Always wanted to, uh, you know, slop some mud on a brick and plop it up there and it just looks so easy and they'd be doing these one after another and after another. I've tried it once or twice. I couldn't get it I couldn't get it to work. It just looked ugly when I did it, but I've helped my father in law put in retaining walls out of cinder blocks and that is backbreaking work for it those is. blocks. But um it was, it was it's good to work for someone like that and chat all day while you toil away with the cement and water. What's, and what, what's particularly good here is how good this is. Sorry if I cut in there, but I wanted to mention this. How good this is for this kid to learn the value of labour at a young age and that work equals money. Yep. And that's how life goes. Well, it never hurt me. I think it, it actually was good life lessons for me to not just get money given to me, but to have to earn it and learn what life's all about. Um, all my life, I had to earn my own college fees and, yeah, um, made my way in life. But I think it's been good life teaching. Absolutely. Could not agree more. Um, same experience myself and it uh, best experience, I think, that all parents... I think that parents should not give out pocket money. They should give out jobs. Yes. And yes. employ their children so that their children can have some spending money. Um, yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. 
positively different. Joining us on the phone this morning is uh, is uh, Patricia Consalves. Patricia, welcome to the show. Ah, oh, thank you. Now, Patricia, you were featured um, in a major news report earlier this week looking at, uh, well, I guess... Adventist Seventh Day Adventist Health, and so for those of you who may not be aware, Faith FM is owned by the Seventh Day Adventist Church, and so every now and then we have the opportunity to brag a little bit, and so we just do because I guess we can. Um, but major news report earlier this week, looking at the health of Seventh Day Adventists. How did how did you actually come about to be featured in this particular report? Well, they have called Paul Rankin, that is our health director for the Greater Sydney Conference. And then they asked him to give his testimony about the health message. And then after that, the lady said, but we want someone young with a, a multicultural or different ethnicity, someone from South America, if possible. So as I work with Paul, he just mentioned my name and asked if I would be interested to be part of that um, article. It's interesting because I don't have the most amazing story about health. Uh, yes, it has changed my life and changed a lot of my habits and everything. But I knew people in my church that would have a better testimony than me. And then when the lady called me and asked if I want to be part of this article, I said yes. But I told her, like, it's not the most amazing story to be, like, featured in an article for the ABC. But she said, I want to hear your story. And it's very interesting how everything happened. Okay, so... Um I'm curious to hear your not amazing story this morning because when I read it in the in the news report, I thought it was pretty amazing. Um, so, okay, so let's 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 go back to the beginning of your story. She was looking for somebody not from Australia and a young person, so a, a young immigrant person. We can tell by your accent you were not born here. Whereabouts were you born? I was born in Brazil, uh, in a city called João Pessoa. It's from the northeast Brazil, from the coast. Okay, so you you, you come from that whole uh, classical Brazilian beach kind of uh, lifestyle environment. Is that kind of your background? Yes, it is. Yeah, so... um, we kind of share a lot of the beach beach culture here in Australia as well, which is uh, fantastic. Okay, so what kind of a home do you grow up in? Is it a religious home? Is it a non-religious home? Um, what's your spiritual background? Yes, um, my family is very religious. Uh, I have I have grown up as Catholic, and uh, when I was fifteen, I was reading the Bible for myself, and then I read that, that we shouldn't worship statues, and that was what caught my attention. I challenged my mom and my grandmother; they are very religious, but they couldn't give me a proper answer why we would we were doing that. Uh, so yes, so I said to them, well, if you can't give me a proper answer, that means I'm going to stop going to the Catholic Church. I will continue believing God. But I, from now on, I'll be searching for the, for the truth. And I don't want people's idea. I want what the Bible says. How big, and that's how everything started. And congratulations for that. I think that's fantastic to hear of a 15-year-old who, for, for one, is reading the Bible for themselves, and for two, is standing by the principles that you obviously discovered in the Bible. A uh, little bit more background. How big is the Catholic Church in Brazil? Ah, it's one. It's the biggest religion. It's a Catholic country. Yes, I know Protestantism has has grown uh, along the years, but Catholicism is the biggest. Right now, 
So you've you've made this decision. You are still somebody who believes in God. You're still somebody who worships God, but you're not attending church because of you know the second commandment that says basically thou shalt not have any carved images. And where does your journey go to next? Then for uh, around eight years, I was searching for the truth. I went to so many different Protestant churches. I did at least three, four different Bible studies up to the end. Uh, but always was, it was always missing something that really, truly didn't connect with me until the day that I uh, even went to the uh, Spiritism. Uh, they believe in, they speak with uh, spirits and everything that has passed away. My mom was very scared of that, but it didn't last long until I saw that it wasn't biblical. And then, then I came to Australia and was in Australia that I truly found the answer for all my questions. Okay, what was it that brought you to Australia? Uh, at the time, I had a boyfriend that was a bit aggressive and I was a bit scared of breaking up with him and I don't know what would be his reaction. And then my mom said, well, the best way for you to do that is going overseas to say that you're going to learn English as you finish in your degree in tourism. And that's the main reason why I decided to leave Brazil. But I was intending to go to Canada because I had family in Canada. And my mom didn't want to because they were involved with spiritism. And as my mom knew that I was searching for a church, she was scared that I would end up believing those principles. And it was last minute before I really came to Australia, like decided where to go, that I met uh, one of my best friend's cousin and he was coming to Australia. And then my mom said, why don't you go to Australia? Because at least you know him. And we start going out together. And I said, well, it's okay. But the problem is, mom, it's the double of the price. And she said, well, it's okay. We, and we're going to lose the money for, for whatever we have applied for Canada. But we can find a way for you to go. Just bear in mind that I don't have a dad. My dad passed away when I was 12. So I have only my mom to support us financially. And it was in these midst of things. He came to Australia in November 2005. And I stayed there applying for my visa. And on the 7th of 6th of January 2006, I received a phone call from the agency saying, Patricia, you have to pay for your course and your tickets so I can apply for your visa for you to go to Australia. And I said, okay. Then I called my mom. So when my mom got home, she started crying. And I couldn't understand why she was crying. She said, Patricia, I have promised you that you'd go to Australia. Last year, I have been fighting with the government, like she was in court against the government. And the government paid us the amount that they owe us. But on the same day they paid us, they blocked the money and they took it off from my account. And I was counting with that money for you to go to Australia. But now I don't have the money anymore. And we're not talking about a couple of hundred dollars. It was a couple of thousand dollars. And I don't have what to get. And especially, I don't have a car. She didn't have a car at the moment. We had just bought an apartment at the beach. So she said, I don't have money to, to, to where to find money for you to go. So I'm sorry, you're not going. But something inside of me was very strong, saying that just trust in God. And I said to her, Mom, it's in God's hands. If he wants me to go, I will go. And she said, Patricia, your money doesn't come from heaven. You're not going. And I'm like, it's okay. She was crying. She was very upset. So I left as it is. And on the following day, because I think the following day, 7 o'clock in the morning, she called me. And she, the first thing she said on the phone was, Patricia, your faith moved mountains. They ex that, remember that money that came to my account last year? Well, yes. the government just paid us again, 
and their money is exactly what you need to go to Australia. So you are going to Australia. God has proved to me that this money does not belong to me, belongs to you, and you are going. So I paid for everything, and I came to Australia. That's a fantastic testimony right there, a testimony of faith. But I also just want to congratulate you on doing the the, the, the right and the wise thing when you're in a relationship that was a unhealthy and toxic toxic relationship and actually doing something about that. And I hope that your story is an inspiration to other women who are in toxic relationships that this time that, yes, you need to act. You can't just uh, you can't just stay in that situation. I mean, of course, you had a great opportunity and God intervened and God brought you to Australia. Okay, so you arrive here in Australia. What's happening in Australia and what actually changes your life here in Australia? So when I arrived in Australia, after a month being in this country, uh, bear in mind I couldn't speak a word of English. So those that met me when I arrived in 2000, February 2006, I couldn't speak a word. My English was a broken English, like me, no, cook, just like the way that I talked. So I got really sick and I needed to go to hospital. And then one of the guys that started with me was from my city. And he said, Patricia, my girlfriend, she's starting to be a nurse. And then probably on Sunday, she can take you to hospital. was Friday that I was talking to him. And I said, well, I am in so much pain, but that's my only option because I can't go by myself because I can't speak anything. And my boyfriend at the time, he couldn't speak a word of English as well, even though he was, he was in Australia for the past four months. So on Sunday, she took me to hospital and I had to stay in hospital for a week because I had an infection on my kidneys and it was very serious, the infection. So the doctor said, you have to stay in hospital. I was shocked and paralyzed because I said, how am I going to pay for the bill? And he said, don't worry, we'll figure it out later, but you shouldn't worry about that right now. You need to get treated and you're not going home. And then she told her dad that I was in hospital and I couldn't speak a word of English if he could help me. He was the pastor for the Adventist, Sydney Adventist Church in Portuguese, uh, uh, Portuguese speaking in Sydney. And he said to me, Patricia, uh, she said to her, okay, I will go and visit her. So on a Wednesday, he came and visit me. And then from that day on, he called me every day. He helped it to translate all the information to the doctors. And on Saturday, I was discharged from hospital. And then he invited me to go to a party to this friend that helped me to go to hospital. His girlfriend helped me to go to hospital. Was a party at his house because it was his uh, son-in-law to be. And then I went to this party and that's how I met people from church. And then on that day, I remember talking to him and saying to him that, God has a purpose for me to be in Australia because he wouldn't provide me the money to come to this country if he didn't have a purpose. And he knows that I'm looking and searching for, for the truth, but I can't find it. And he was a pastor. He said, do you want to do a Bible study? And I'm like, yes, I'm very interested in doing a Bible study. But first thing, if you come up with your own ideas, that's it. We're going to stop. I only want to hear the Bible. Not your ideas. If you can't prove me in the Bible, that's it. I don't want to study the Bible anymore. He said, well, I'm willing to study only the Bible with you. And I said to him, well, I have another problem. I study during the day and I work at night and I only get home at 10 p.m. He said, I am willing to drive from Kellyview to Ataman. It's kind of a, a good drive in Sydney mm -hmm. to give you a Bible study once a week. And I said, well, I'm in. So once a week, he drove from Kellyview to Ataman to give me Bible studies. 
That's fantastic. Um, we've only got a little bit of time left, but I'm just wondering whether very, very quickly you can tell me the result of where those Bible studies went. Well, with the Bible studies, uh, after one year I decided to get baptized, but something that was hard to understand because I was already baptized in the uh, Catholic Church. So he uh, explained to me why I needed to be rebaptized. And that has been a long journey. And this next point was the health message when they start teaching us the things that I couldn't eat, like they shouldn't eat. And when they start explaining to me what are the foods that is not recommended, that is in the Bible in Leviticus, that we shouldn't be eating, it was interesting because back in my country, all those foods that in Leviticus say that we shouldn't be eating, when we were sick with any inflammation or any after any surgery, the doctors would say to us, you're not allowed to eat any of these foods because can can uh, make the inflammation and infection a lot worse. So you shouldn't be eating any of these foods. So it was very interesting because then I could connect my background with that message and I accepted. Easy? No. It was very hard because I came from the coast and eating seafood was one of the biggest things for me. And eating brown rice and things like that was extremely hard. Didn't eat much veggies and, uh, and salads back in my country. So it was very hard for me to learn. And a lot of the times I almost throw back trying to eat those type of foods. Praise God, I have been able to experience being vegetarian and vegan as well in my journey. And it has changed my life. It made me ha- sleep well, had a better health lifestyle. And I can see why God said to us, why should we have a healthy life? Yeah, and that's fantastic. And, you know, this is one of the reasons why, uh, you know, researchers found that Adventists who follow the Adventist lifestyle typically live around about 10 years longer and have better quality of life than the rest of the population. Patricia, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I'm disappointed we didn't get to hear the rest of your story because you are a pastor down in uh, Sydney these days. But um, maybe another time. Thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM positively different okay so darren we've got this really interesting question came in it came in a little while ago and question of the day oh <laughs> got you lyle <laughs> it is for question of the day that's right um and so this one uh we have been sitting on for a little while because a bit of a backlog as we mentioned the other day but do send your questions through because i think we've come to the end of our backlog so we're, we're kind of good to go all right how exactly is the blood of Jesus removing sin, the ledger in heaven, as in the record books in heaven? So here's a, here's a question. Darren, seeing as you're here, I'm going to throw it to you. Um, is, has Jesus gone to heaven and is he there bleeding in heaven? Is Jesus in heaven believing in heaven? Bleeding. Bleeding, as in is there blood coming oh, out of Jesus? Yeah, um, bleeding. Is there blood coming out of Jesus in um, heaven? I don't think he's bleeding. I've, what I read is he's mediating, applying the meaning of his blood, but yes. he's not actually bleeding, although we are told that we will be able to see the wounds yes. when we get to heaven, like the heels. The scars. Wounds, the scars. Yes. But um, no, as, as actually bleeding? No, I don't think so. Okay, so then how does the blood of Jesus cleanse the record of our sins in heaven in other words you know the ledger as it's described here that's where you probably need to and i'll probably do better than i can go and describe <laughs> this old testament sanctuary surface yeah that's right absolutely okay so very simply um as darren as darren correctly pointed out okay so jesus is applying the merits of his blood in heaven on our behalf and in reality, what happens is that when we, when we ask forgiveness for our sins, Jesus is able to forgive us our sins because he has paid the penalty for us. Now, if Jesus had gone and said, well, you know, I've made this law and I've said that the wages of sin is death, 
um, to be, because God doesn't want to have sin in the universe. It's 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 a, it's a little bit like sin is like a virus. So you kill the host, you kill the virus. Um, so the wages of sin is death. But I don't want people to die. So somebody needs to die in their place. So you know, you random angel over there and go and do it for me. Then that would not have worked. Satan would be like, well, that's not just. You yeah. made the law. Now you're making somebody else die for it. They, they can't provide any kind of atonement. They can't provide any kinds of cleansing. But because God is the one who made the law and God is the one who came and paid the penalty, God therefore is able to say, I can forgive this person of their sins. Now, if we go a step further than that, what we find in the sanctuary service is that when we ask forgiveness for our sins, at that moment, we are cleansed. Those sins are wiped from us. They're transferred from us. They go to the sanctuary in heaven, and they will never, ever again play any relevance in our life. We walk away from there completely forgiven of those sins. I think the Bible says that they're cast right into the depths of the ocean. We never find them again, the deepest part of the ocean. We've never found them. And that's a long way down. You're going to struggle to get down there. You're not going to get down there and find them. Okay. However... The record is kept, and the reason that the record is kept is so that God can hold a judgment. God does not need to hold that judgment to find out who's saved and who's lost. He already knows that. He's holding that judgment so that when he saves some people and condemns others, then the entire (laughs) universe can see that he is right and just. And Satan can't stand up and say, ah, you made a mistake here. He's like, no, I didn't make a mistake there. Everybody saw the judgment take place. And that is where and how our sins are blotted out and the record is completely destroyed, never ever to be found ever again. 